Heavenly Father, we are a people who um, have discovered a great fairness in Jesus Christ. Not, not, not that he's equitable, that he is, but he's altogether lovely in our eyes. He is one whose word indeed does calm the weary, uh, anxious heart. His name is, is a solace to us, O oh God, and I pray that more and more your people might find their, their, um, their comfort in, in not a portfolio or not in uh, their ability to control their, uh, their environments. They might find their solace and comfort and assurance and confidence in the fact that our God in his triunity, he is the one who is in charge and ruling and reigning in this universe. He is a God who has revealed himself in Christ Jesus and has established himself as our Father in heaven. Not our potentate, but our Father. And I pray that, that the fatherhood of God might indeed bring joy and comfort to the hearts of your people. Father, we do thank you for the, um, the season that is passing us and we uh, understand the, its importance and its profundity and pray that it will turn us into people who will um, not soon commit or make the same mistakes that we made in the year 2000. Father, we look forward to a, a year of service in front of us and pray that this year will bring um, great accomplishments for the kingdom, whether that be in this church or in other churches in this city, Father. We care not who is the leader. What we want is to see the kingdom of Jesus Christ expanded in our time. Now, Father, I do want to pray for those poor people in Arkansas who are struggling so without electricity. Some 10 days away in the midst of this very severe cold. And I pray, Father, that you will provide for them, that you will guard them, and that you will um, put their lives back into order very soon now. Lord, it does, however, remind us that in the midst of all the technology and in the midst of all the advances of modernity, we are a people who are completely reliant upon the God who made the heavens and the earth. Many of us, hopefully all of us, find great comfort in placing our hopes and our trust in you and not in the advancements as wonderful as they are in the advancements of science. Father, might those be used to bring glory to the God who allowed for them. Might our worship service today bring, bring a great measure of direction for your people and a, and a new sense of commitment to Jesus Christ. And we pray, of course, in his name. Amen. Grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them to the first chapter of the book of Acts. We'll return to our study of Judges next week, but um, it's kind of inappropriate, I think, um, to not recognize what a day like today is. It is the end of what some would insist is the millennium. So let me read to you um, five verses, <clears throat> Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 4, going through verse 8. 
And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. <clears throat> December the 31st. 2000, what kinds of things are on the minds of people on a day like today? Well, um, it's interesting, and I'm sure I'm not the only one to make this stunning observation, that um, um, Nicotrol uh, rents all kinds of uh, ads, or Nicoderm, like whatever, uh, Nicoderm rents all kinds of spots on televisions about this time of year because a lot of people are thinking of giving up smoking. And then there are all kinds of uh, weight machines that are being advanced, and, and uh, the Bowflex I saw uh, a half a dozen times yesterday, and people are thinking about weight, and, and perhaps some New Year's resolutions. I saw Chrysler, they are trying to make New, res New Year's resolutions about having more fun or being on time or, or something like that. Um, <clears throat> perhaps resolutions are the things that are, are um, fixed in your attention. I think one of the things that I, um, people think about it uh, this time of year is the future. What will uh, this next year bring? Uh, will it be better than last year or worse? And so um, because <clears throat> I thought maybe that might be one of the emphases that um, is relevant for a day like today, I thought this would be a great text for us. Really, verse 7 is our text. You'll notice it's Jesus' reply to a question. The disciples come to him and they say, is this now the time where, the, where God is going to restore the kingdom? And <clears throat> Jesus' reply could be viewed, I think, as somewhat of a rebuke. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, but those are kept in my Father's control. That's paraphrased, of course. Gang, um, what I wanted to comment on just in a few minutes this morning is uh, what the Bible has to say about a Christian view of the future. Um, there seems to be a fair measure of occupation or preoccupation in the Christian church about how we might, you know, um, predict it. Maybe not in our circles, but uh, certainly in others, um, years, well, I guess it was three years ago now, a group of us went to Israel, you may recall, and, and uh, when we arrived in Jerusalem, we, um, we had a busload of people that pulled into the, the, uh, the Sheridan in Jerusalem, and um, we had about, I forget, 28 people, 32 people, something like that on the bus, and we pulled into this, um, this parking lot in Jerusalem, and... Um, <clears throat> It, it, was, it was hard to get in. It was jam-packed 
with uh, tour buses and, and people and cars, and you could, you could hardly get the bus in there. And one of the reasons that it was so crowded there in the parking lot of the Sheridan is because a certain preacher, a television preacher, had brought, uh, was it three busloads? Three busloads of people um, from wherever he was. He is on television, and is on television today, or presently, I don't know what about today. But um, uh, it was the Jubilee for Jesus. And these people had come from where? I mean, maybe a TV viewing audience, for all I know. Um, but they all had red shirts and red shakers. Um, and so we got into the the, um, um, the lobby there at the Sheridan, and we were all um, exhausted and wanting to eat and check in and get in our rooms, et cetera. And, and the, the, the lobby was absolutely teeming with red shakers. And um, um, so there's only four elevators, and it was hard to get up. In fact, on... Uh, one of the days that we were there, one of the, two of those elevators are devoted to um, to Judaism. That is, they're called Shabbat elevators, and they you can't well you can get on them, but they stop at every floor. Anyway, <clears throat> but the point is, um, I was introduced to a man that I had never heard of before, and his uh, this enormous following that had uh, come with him to um, um, to Jerusalem. And um, while we had breakfast there a couple of times, this man, who is on television, um, had a bodyguard. Uh, he had, I mean, this big, huge room, about the size of this one, um, filled with uh, tables of people eating. And he was by himself uh, eating with his bodyguards. And um, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, nobody seemed to be guarding my body. Um, but... Uh, um, but anyway, um, I just thought it was interesting that I had seen, I didn't know this guy was from Adam, anyway, but all I have to say this, um, that was in November, and one, uh, in fact, it was about this time of year, it might have been this night, about three years ago, I'm in bed, um, like normal people are on this night, about 10 o'clock, um, and um, my telephone rings, rings, and it's my son-in-law, and uh, he says, get up. You've got to see this. And so I, I turned on the television and turned to the channel, and there was this man that we had seen bodyguarded in Jerusalem. And um, he was on one of those religious shows with on his couch and with the two hosts, the, the host couple, interviewing him. And ladies and gentlemen, he was engaged in some of the most unbelievable predictions. In fact, it was near 1998, because he, he said something. We were about to roll into 1999, and um, it had something to do with the nines, the three nines. And the three nines meant something. And, what, uh, and then he left the couch and grabbed the microphone and began to predict what was going to take place in 1999. And I sat a whole lot longer than I normally sit in front of a television, except for a football game, and watched as this man went on for the better part of an hour, predicting that 1999 was going to include the most massive inflow 
of converted people into the kingdom of God that the world had ever seen. And I mean the people on the couch were saying, oh, glory to God. And, 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 and ladies and gentlemen, who of us, who among us, would not welcome a massive influx of people into the kingdom of God? Would we not indeed celebrate such a prospect? Well, um, I, I um, hardly um, knew what to think. But I, I, um, I do know a little bit more what to think now. Because, ladies and gentlemen, 1999 did not produce what this man so emphatically and dogmatically predicted would indeed be a part of that year. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I say all of that to, uh, to ask you to gaze with me once again to Jesus' very clear statement that he makes in response to a question. It is in verse 7. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So here's the first thing that you and I need to know about a Christian view of the future. Here it is. We don't know it. Pretty simple, but we don't know it, ladies and gentlemen. Leave it alone. I think I want to, I mean, I hope this will be somewhat helpful to you, but in verse 7, there are two words that you will find there, times and seasons. Do you see that? Those are two different Greek words. The first word is chronos. Um, it had, you know what a chronometer is, is? A chronometer is a watch. It's a measurer of time. Um, chronos has to do with the succession of moments. Tick, 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 tick. That's chronos. The next word is kairos. Chirotic. For instance, December the 7th, 1941, would be considered kairos. Something chirotic. An event. It's the difference between history and historic. All kairos is chronos. But not all chronos is kairos. And Jesus says, you don't know either of them. You don't know what to predict in terms of the unfolding of moments, and you don't know anything about epochs. It is not for you to know. Neither of them is to be your concern. Leave them both alone. And ladies and gentlemen, I say to you, beware of men who tell you that they know things that Jesus said we're not supposed to know. Beware of men who say they are in possession of information that we're not supposed to have. You see, ladies and gentlemen, um, the New Testament is, is never wasted its time on trying to tell you what the future brings. It, 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 well, the one emphasis that it makes is, is and, and one that's made again and again and again by uh, New Testament writers, is, um, for you know yourself how perfectly, that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. That kind of emphasis is made. It is made that there is indeed a coming of Jesus to be, to be longed for and looked for. 
but that it's coming will come just like a thief in the night something for which we are not able to predict its arrival and I say to you ladies and gentlemen that is true of all of future events you don't know them it is not for us to know them so leave them alone you know one of the things that does bug me um, and I would love why isn't why isn't the TV preacher why isn't he held accountable for predictions that do not come true? Um, I, I, I wonder, I would simply like to say to my, my friend, Jesus has told us that you do not know the times and the seasons. Now, again, I, I say that not so much as a rebuke, but as a hopefully by way of re, or, or encouragement. Folks, it's a real kindness that I don't know the future and that you don't know it either. For instance, um, if I knew that the year 2001, the next 365 days, was going to contain a heart attack in one of those days, what do you think it would do to all of the days of 2001? There would be somewhat of a mist that, you know, that shadowed it. But I couldn't enjoy any of those days if I knew what the future held for me. And I, and I say to you, on the opposite end of the spectrum, if 2001 contains uh, pleasures and delights for you, which I hope it does, to know them beforehand is to steal some of the joy of the moment. Gang, it's a kindness. It is a kindness that we do not know what the future holds. Now, I, I know this doesn't come as a shock to many of you that we can't predict the future, but, but what I want to say to the people of God is why do we concern ourselves? Gang, there are some things we're supposed to concern ourselves with, and we'll look at that in just a second, but, but it's not what 2001 is going to hold for us. The, the second thing that I want you to notice about the text is that though you don't know it, and I don't know it, and we're not in charge of it, we are told that it is under control. That is, which the Father has put in his own authority. Um, I don't control it. You don't control it. But somebody does control it. It is the Heavenly Father. And it's interesting to me that, he, that Jesus doesn't use the word some kind of divine potentate or the... Um, the um, blind and personal fate, or, or it, it, it's, he uses the term, it's our Father. Our Father has put it in His authority. And so, gang, I, I hope there's a little bit of calming effect. You know, um, my daughter called me yesterday um, from the Oak Court Mall. And uh, she was looking for a dress for her mother. And uh, there's uh, coupons galore, you know, and, um, and a sale. You know, I wonder if Goldsmith ever gets tired of having sales uh, because they've got one in the middle of the week and at the close of the week and on the weekend and the early part of the week. But <clears throat> Gracie called, and there was this enormous crowd of people. And were you there? I, I, I fortunately missed it, but um, their, their, um, their cash registers went down. And do you know what the buzz in Goldsmith was yesterday? 
Y2K. I thought that was over. <clears throat> now, there are some purists who say that the millennium doesn't start until tomorrow, uh, because millenniums don't start with zeros, they start with ones and all that. Um, but guys, I'm telling you, it's our Father. It's our Father. And if 2001 brings hardship and calamity, it will be distributed by our Father. If it brings joy and prosperity, that too will be distributed by our Father. Not His Majesty or... And I, I, those are all true things and I don't want to denigrate the, those wonderful words. I'm simply saying Jesus goes out of His way to use that word. Your Father's got it. It's not for you to know. But your Father's got it. He's got it under His authority. So, it seems to me the right application should be relax. Just relax. Now, so there's two things. Let me close by, uh, by telling you what, what, is, what is supposed to be you and I's response to the future. We don't know it, but we know who does know it. What should be our a legitimate, proper response to, to, um, to what's unfolding in front of us? Well, the, answer, the Bible does speak a lot about that, ladies and gentlemen. And the, and the reply is somewhat multifaceted. I, I hope you've got your Bible still open. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Come on, my dear brother and sister in Christ. Let's all go to the ant, we sluggards. That's what Solomon invites. In, Psalms, in, excuse me, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, he says this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise which having no color, you can read the rest of it. Do you know what the, what the psalmist is saying? Now, again, guys, in terms of a right and righteous response to the future, what is one of the things? Well, first of all, there is to be a legitimate, rational, reasonable preparation for it. And the Bible calls us to go examine the, how the ant prepares for the winter and, and make sure that her children have got all kinds of warm clothes. So there is a legitimate, rational precaution for future, for future probabilities that is legitimate. For instance, did you get a flu shot? Well, I hope you did, um, although I was told last night that it will only guard you against two or three strains of a virulent flu. The one I had was, uh, you know, the, the one that was not in the serum. I got the other one, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. But the, but the point is, ladies and gentlemen, sure, there is a reasonable preparation that you and I should be um, making. Um, there, there's nothing improper about a Christian's investing. There's nothing improper about a Christian's trying to, to build something lasting for the future. All the while knowing that I, I'm not smart enough to predict it. I'm simply going to try and follow the leadership of God as he directs me because the future is in his hands. Guys, think with me. 
this time last year, this time last year, do you know where the NASDAQ was? I don't know exactly the number, but it was 39% higher than it was the day or last Friday. Who would have ever thunk it? The dot-coms were rolling, weren't they? The e-business was just trucking right along, wasn't it? Who would have ever known? I know. I know who knows. And ladies and gentlemen, you know what? I don't care what our president-elect says. I don't care what he doesn't say. What we're facing economically or spiritually or physically or professionally, it's not in the prognosticator's hands. So, ladies and gentlemen, proper, reasonable precautions for future probabilities is encouraged by the scriptures. That's all. Don't lean your weight on them too heavily because it's our Father who directs the future. Secondly, one of the things that I think the people of God ought to be thinking about concerning the coming days is preparing for some kind of better usefulness in the kingdom. For instance, guys, um, uh, there may be uh, courses that you need to take. There may be uh, um, uh, better preparation that you could make to be more useful and more helpful in the expansion and construction of the kingdom of God. My, my, I guess the point I'm making, ladies and gentlemen, is if you want to fix on something as to what you ought to be doing in terms of the future, then prepare to serve the living God. Forget all of these idle, foolish concerns that we may have, and ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for service. The great thing that you and I ought to be looking into the future for is greater opportunities for the service of Jesus Christ. Not what it is that we're going to enjoy or what it is that we're going to have to endure, but what it is that we are going to do. How is it that we are going to be engaged and used? And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, our consumption is, oh no, I'm 53, I hope it's not heart attack year for me. I hope, um, you know, my cholesterol doesn't go through the roof. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope your cholesterol doesn't go through the roof either. And I hope there's not a heart attack in store for me. Who wants one of those things? And I hope nobody finds cancer this year. You know, guys, but it's foolishness. It is foolishness for us to waste our energy. Let me, let me give you something to spend your energies on. Preparation for greater levels of commitment and service to the king of kings. To me, that's healthy. That's calming. Because that is something I can do. You, you see, ladies and gentlemen, I think the great remedy for some kind of morbid anticipation lies in our regarding our, our, our lives as an opportunity for service. Not how much pain can we avoid. We've got to view life as an opportunity for serving the King of Kings. You know, guys, let me show you one of the texts that I think, boy, you ought to get your pencil out and mark this one down. Find Psalm 112. And many of you have memorized this verse. 
Psalm 112. Are you there? You need to see this one. This will bring this will bring joy to your soul. <clears throat> Ready? Um, verse seven. He will not. Let, oh, let me read verse six. Surely he will never be shaken. That is, the righteous will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He, that is, the righteous, will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Now, guys, uh, just to hopefully clear that up, the psalmist is saying that he is not going to fear bad tidings. He is not going to fear bad news because his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. You're looking around the corner, seeing what might be in the offing for you next year. Well, guys, he whose heart is stayed upon Jehovah are people who do not have to fear bad news. Not to say that it won't come. I'm simply saying we don't have to fear it. Never mind, gang, about the future. Our Father cares for it. Now, that's me and you. Let's me and you go redeem the time. Let's me and you go redeem, live redemptive lives so that we might be useful in the expansion of the kingdom. The, the, the one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that ought to occupy our thoughts is how is it that we're going to be greater, more useful to the King of Kings. Let me show you one other thing and I'm finished about our text. Back in Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> Really, verse 8. The disciples come to him and say, okay, when is the kingdom coming? And Jesus' reply is in verse 7, as I've said. Then notice in verse 8, but. They ask him when the kingdom's coming, he says, don't worry about that. My father's got that under control. But you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my you should be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, guys, do you understand what Jesus is saying? Um, I don't want you to worry about that. But here's something I do want you to what, what I do want you to do. I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is something that we probably need to talk about another time. But notice what he is saying that he wants them to be, to be doing. You wait there, you'll be equipped, and then be my witnesses. Gang, when I say witness, what comes to your mind? Well, if I say witness and evangelism comes to your mind, you missed it. Because the Greek word here is the word martyria. What does that sound like? What English word does that sound like? Martyria. Jesus is saying that I'm going to equip you to be martyrias. Now, guys, the point being, witnessing is the genus. Evangelism is the species. All evangelism is witnessing, but not all witnessing is evangelism. What you and I are being equipped for is to be martyrias. That is, witnesses in every sense of that word. 
Witness is not simply on Wednesday and Thursday nights knocking on doors. Witness is in the sense that when I show up on 8 o'clock on Monday morning, there is an impact that my life makes on those around me. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what the next 365 will bring, nor do you. But here's what we have been charged with doing. Being equipped from on high and becoming witnesses in every sense of that word. And it's a far bigger word than simply doing evangelism. That's what you and I are called to do, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I say this and I'll quit. Um, I think our blame is not that we look forward. I think our problem is that we're not looking forward enough. We're not looking far enough. Forget the next 365, ladies and gentlemen. The one certainty of the New Testament is that Jesus is going to establish a kingdom now. The call upon us is to be engaged in being witnesses to the ends of the earth. I call you to that. Let's pray. Our Father, I, I do pray that you will uh, remind your people if something as simple as that we do not know the future, leave it alone, get to work, and you will be my witnesses. Oh God, might, might these reminders go a ways in making us into people who are so gripped with our duties and responsibilities as individual Christians that we find ourselves locked into this great enterprise of seeing Jesus Christ announced and proclaimed in all of our evangelism, in all of our ethics, in all of our marriages, in all of our parenting, in all of our recreation, might we indeed become witnesses in the fullest sense of that glorious term in an effort to be useful to Jesus Christ. Father, some of us do face difficulty in the next few days in the next in the coming days and I pray that you prepare us for that but father might we find ourselves preparing for it by being energetically engaged in service of our king we pray it in Jesus name amen